Hey you, welcome to my podcast. I'm Molly Cash, and I'm so glad you're here. Today we're talking about constraint. This is something that I used to be very uncomfortable with because I am not a person who likes commitment. I mean, the idea of commitment is fine, but I don't like to commit to things in such a way that my options are limited. I am an options kind of gal. I just like to have lots of choices. I don't want to get cornered into one thing and not be able to change my mind. I just always want to keep my options open. And so constraint is hard for me, but I have learned the beauty of it. And not just the beauty, but the absolute power of it too. And I want to share that with you because it has helped me calm some of the chaos in my mind and consequently some of the chaos in my life. And it's helped me actually do more and create more than I'm able to do when I don't use constraint. So let me tell you what I'm talking about. Because that might sound weird. Like, what do you mean use constraint? The definition of constraint is just a limitation or restriction But the way I'm talking about it here is a limitation or restriction that I choose to put on myself for the purpose of decreasing my options. And I know that sounds like a bad thing, but here's why decreasing your options can be helpful. What decreasing your options does is it decreases the accompanying overwhelm that comes with having so many options. Think about going to the grocery store. Now, if you are at the grocery store and you're looking for pineapple, you do not have very many options. You might only have one option, or maybe you can choose organic or non-organic. But let's say you're there to buy a bag of chips. Now you have so many options, almost endless options. Tortilla chips, potato chips, popcorn chips, I think they even have chips made out of sweet potatoes and rice and stuff like that. Even within tortilla chips, you've got different colors, the kind that are made with vegetables or beans or whatever, hint of lime or other flavors or the scoops or the triangle or circle or restaurant style. I mean, there are so many choices just within tortilla chips, let alone potato chips that have every flavor imaginable and different sizes, different brands. So many choices. And if you're like me, you kind of have your go-to bag of chips that you love and you maybe don't spend a lot of time choosing. But repeat this over and over with ice cream or with a can of beans or which kind of pasta or even eggs. You have a lot of choices about eggs and milk these days. It's crazy how many options you have. And you can spend time just staring at a wall of food that's basically the same thing, but with all these different choices. And having all these choices can be overwhelming. Not to mention it takes more time and more brain power and more energy to make a choice when you have a hundred options versus two or three. So basically, when you limit your options with constraint, 
where you just make up limitations for yourself, you are making the decision-making process easier. One of the very best parenting skills I ever learned was from a book called Love and Logic. It's very well known. Maybe you know this already, but it says to give children lots of choices, lots of chances to make a choice, I guess, but only give them two options. Instead of saying, what would you like for lunch? Say, would you like chicken nuggets or a sandwich? Or do you want grape jelly or strawberry jam, you know? And they say, you know, make sure both options are things that are possible and that you're okay with. And then you get to just go with whatever the kid chooses. And that's very empowering for them. But they say only give them two choices or three if you must, because otherwise it gets overwhelming. And they're just little and they're learning how to make choices. But it's kind of hard for grown-ups to make choices too. So it can really help if you simplify things by putting limitations on your choices. The other thing that limiting your options does that's awesome is that it really activates your creativity. Years ago, I had a friend who did what she called activity time with her little kids every day. She was amazing at this stuff. And they would do just little crafts and they'd read a book and go for a walk and collect nature things or whatever. And they were always doing these cool things and her house was covered in little crafts and art projects and I just thought it was really cool. And naturally, I wanted to do it because anytime anyone does anything cool, I think I have to do it too and or I just want to. And so I thought, yeah, I'm going to do some activity time. And I started trying to think of stuff to do. And I couldn't come up with anything. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not good at this like she is. And it was tempting to just give up, which would have been fine. But upon closer inspection, what I learned was that she wasn't some kind of unicorn that just constantly had brilliant ideas for toddler activities running through her mind. She had some resources for one thing. She had a book full of activities that are like easy to do at home. I never did get that book. I don't remember what it's called, but I've heard it's great. And she also was using constraint. She was doing one alphabet letter a week. So they'd have the letter of the week and I think she just went in order. So she didn't even have to choose a letter and all their activities for a week would start with that letter. So just think right now, like if you had to come up with a toddler activity right now, what would you choose? And if you're like me, like that's kind of hard, like, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, we could, I don't know, make a craft. You know, there are just too many options, right? But if I told you, come up with a toddler activity that has something to do with the letter D, go. Have you already thought of a couple? Let's see, D, a uh, duck starts with D. We could go to the duck pond. Or D is for dizzy. Why don't we play some fun music and spin around till we're dizzy? Or what about donuts? Let's go get some donuts. That's fun. 
I know one thing my friend did was she always would work a treat in somehow in the week in the week that would start with that letter. So that's always an easy one. She also would always go to the library on a certain day when they had story time. And they'd just kind of wander around and grab books that featured that letter. And a lot of the time, I think the activities she did just kind of were inspired by the book she read. If they read about carrots, like, okay, let's, let's learn how to peel carrots. I don't know. The point is, from the outside, it looked like she was some kind of genius that had this very carefully planned, awesome curriculum of toddler activities planned to match the alphabet. And man, how can you come up with all that? And I'm not saying she's not brilliant or not a genius or not great with toddler activities. But I think what she had going for her the most was a very effective use of constraint. Trying to plan a week's worth of toddler activities sounds hard. But coming up with a week's worth of toddler activities and they all have to start with D and one of them is at the library and getting books and one of them is a treat that starts with D you're like halfway there so when I learned how to really do this activity thing by using some constraint suddenly I could think of all kinds of fun things to do the other thing I had to do by the way was let go of perfectionism and let go of the idea that these activities had to be amazing or have all the right craft materials or look pretty or anything like that. When I let go of these being amazing, I let them just be fun and I learned how to constrain. It was great. It was easy. Now, what I never did learn how to do was be totally consistent and do this all the time like my friend did, but that's totally fine. It's not for everyone. So it's kind of funny, but it's totally true that when you have endless options, you can't come up with anything. When you have a few limited options or you have some constraints, that's when your creativity really takes off and you can think of all kinds of stuff. All right, I want to give you some more examples of how to actually use constraint. There are some different types of constraint that you can use, and I will just give you a few I'm sure there are more that I haven't thought of. But one type would be time limits. When you use time limits to constrain, it really helps you let go of perfectionism. If I tell myself I have to have my podcast published by 10 p.m., I don't tell myself that, by the way, but just saying. That forces me to get to a point where I'm like, you know what, this is... This is good enough. Here we go. Hate to break it to you. My podcasts are not perfect. I could spend hours and hours refining and editing and making them better and better. I definitely could do a better job. And I would never publish anything. The only reason you hear from me every week is because I put a time limit on myself. Actually, for now, it's just a day limit. It's not even a time of day. But by that time, what I have has to be good enough. And it helps me just get it done and not be precious about it. Another example of a time limit is setting a timer to clean. This is one of my most used tools. I do this all the time. 
Because you could clean a kitchen all day, right? There's always some other nook or cranny you could scrub. But if you just have 10 minutes to clean the kitchen, you're going to do the things that matter most and you're going to let go of it looking perfect. It helps you not procrastinate. It helps you not get distracted when there's a timer running. Having that time limit helps so much when you really need to get things done. Another kind of constraint is a this or that kind of choice, like the love and logic. My husband and I used to have the best way to pick what movie we were going to watch. This was back when we only watched DVDs. And we had kind of a lot of them. But what we'd do is we, we had this little system where one of us would go through and we had them all we had all our DVDs lined up on a shelf. And we'd pull out a few of the movies that we were interested in watching. We'd pull them out just like half an inch so they'd stick out. And then the other person would go through and push back in any of the ones they weren't willing to watch. And then sometimes that was our choice right there. There was only one left. Other times we needed to go through another round of this, but it always limited our options to where we could choose something easily rather than standing there staring at a wall of DVDs. Yeah, we didn't have the wall, but a whole shelf of DVDs and trying to just decide one. Now, heaven help us, we have Netflix and it's so hard to choose anything. I swear we can spend 45 minutes trying to pick something to watch then we decide, eh, it's kind of late. Let's just go to bed. It's so depressing. I wish we could go back to the DVD cases. It was a much better system. Netflix knows nothing about constraint, but we still love it. Another example of a this or that kind of constraint is clothing. I've been wearing almost exclusively dresses lately. It's summer. It's super hot. They're more comfortable for me. And I only have so many dresses. And some are pretty dressy and I don't always want to be dressy. And so most days I'm like, okay, which of these four casual dresses do I want to wear? And other days, which of these four dressy dresses do I want to wear? It really simplifies things. So using the this or that kind of constraint helps you work your muscle of decisiveness and it saves you a lot of time. Another type of constraint you could use is to pick just one thing. And this helps you to focus. I've always been the kind of person who sets like 23 goals at once. And you want to guess how well I do on all of those? Yeah, not great. But if I pick one goal, I can really focus on it and put more of my energy and effort into it and I'm able to accomplish it a lot faster and move on to the next goal. One goal at a time, for me, has been way more effective than trying to do all of them at once. Any kind of goal or a habit I'm trying to change or add to my life, choosing one at a time helps a ton. You could also apply this to learning or any kind of growth. My mom pointed out once that little kids tend to um, grow physically a whole bunch and then their physical growth will kind of taper off for a while 
and then they'll learn a bunch of new words. And then their vocabulary will kind of even out and they will learn to walk or throw a ball or whatever. She just pointed out that they seem to kind of have spurts of growth in different areas in different times. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think we can take a lesson from that, that we, sh- we don't need to be growing in every area all the time. So I like that type of constraint of picking one thing, one area to really focus on and knock it out of the park and then you can move on to the next. We already kind of talked about a specificity kind of restraint, like it's got to start with the letter D. I used to use this kind of constraint with meal planning. I would say Monday, we're eating Mexican food. Tuesday is something with beef. Wednesday is soup and so on. And it helped so much to have that constraint because then I could come up with stuff to cook. When I could cook anything in the world, I could think of nothing. This might seem obvious, but a money constraint is another type you could use. And it might not sound like it, but I think a money constraint can really make things more fun and creative. I know someone who takes their kids on dates periodically and they say, we can do anything you want, but it has to cost $10 or less. Love it. What's happening here is you're telling your brain what's relevant and allowing your brain to filter out everything else. That kid starts paying attention to things that cost $10 or less. And they stop begging for the amusement park or whatever. They start focusing on $10. And so they can notice things and come up with things that fit that bill because they've given their brain an avenue to go down. One last type of constraint that I thought of was a number constraint. This is one of my very favorites. I will do something like ask my kids after school, give me two words to describe your day. Only two words or sometimes only one word. That's all you get. And this just, it helps them be more thoughtful and really think about their day. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but my kids sometimes will say, oh, I had a really bad day. And it's because something kind of sad or whatever happened right at the end of school. And then later on, I'll find out that they had a, a magician come to an assembly earlier and they had their favorite lunch and they got an A on their test. And it just, I'm like, what? This was your really bad day? And it's not that they had a really bad day. It's just that they're only thinking about what just happened. So when I say, give me one word to describe your day and they have to choose carefully, it helps them review the whole day and think about things and remember things that they would otherwise kind of gloss over or forget. Another way this has worked super well for me is to limit myself to three tasks for a day. Not that I only do three things, but if I plan out my day, and I'm a planner, I like to use a paper planner, I will only allow myself to write three things on a day. And that forces me to prioritize. I have to think what really matters today. And I've heard this idea from a few different sources. I think one called it three critical things or three crucial things that needed to happen that day. And I kind of like that because let's face it, we're really good at giving ourselves mile long to-do lists, right? But if you are trying to only list crucial things for today, 
yeah, there aren't so many of those usually. It makes you kind of be honest with yourself and cut out most of that list. And of course, the idea is not to wait until things are urgent and on fire to deal with them. Like, well, it's not critical today. But if you have three things that are urgent and critical or crucial for today, chances are you shouldn't be working on other stuff anyway. You need to do those three things. I've found there are rarely more than three, very rarely, that are truly important for that day. And then I also have found I have days when there's only one or two that I can honestly say are crucial for that day. So then what I get to do is either just have a lighter day or pick two other priorities that are not necessarily urgent or a fire right in my face, but things that matter to me that are important and that helps me get ahead. So I have fewer fires to put out in the future. I'm telling you, this has worked so well and I always recommend this to people. If you're having a hard time getting things done, you're probably giving yourself too much to do in any given day. And we hear that a lot, right? People love to say, throw away your to-do list. And I, uh, that gives me kind of a heart attack. And I will say, I do kind of keep a running to-do list of things I just don't want to forget about. But when I've had the most success and been the most productive is when I will constrain and limit myself to only three things for that day. And you know what? Usually I end up doing four or five because when you only expect three things of yourself on a day and you commit to those things and then you get them done, you feel awesome and you want to do more. It happens all the time. I need to tell you, I said I'm a planner person and I like to use a paper planner and I'm working on my own planner. I'm designing it. It's for now just in digital format, so it's not paper yet. And maybe I'll just convert to digital. I don't know. But it incorporates this concept. So on each day, there are three slots for your top three priorities and no more slots. It also incorporates a lot of other concepts that I have learned and developed over many years. I'm so excited about this planner. It almost feels weird to call it a planner because it's, it's more than just a place to keep things that you don't want to forget. It really takes you through the process of meeting your own needs in a way that is simple and not overwhelming. I mean, really, what's not in this planner is just as important as what is in the planner. But I'm very excited about it, and it's not ready yet. It's still being tested and developed, but at some point, it's gonna be done, and it's gonna be amazing, and I wanna share it with you. And if you're interested, I don't even know what I'm gonna call it yet, but you can get on an interest list so that I will be sure to let you know when it is available. And you can do that by just going to mollycash.com slash planner. M-O-L-L-Y-C-A-S-H dot com slash planner. I am passionate about helping people meet their own needs and empowering them to do so. And this planner aims to do just that. I really am super excited about it. There's so much thought and learning that has gone into this, but you can't even tell because it's so simple and unintimidating. I love it. So if you're interested at all, please be sure to get on that interest list because 
it might be available sooner than later. And I will likely have a very affordable digital version of it, even if the paper version ends up being kind of pricey because holy moly, those things are expensive to print. We may only have a digital version. <laughs> so get on that list if you're interested, mollycash.com planner. And in the meantime, just get a piece of paper or whatever you're already using, but number one, two, three, and don't let yourself go past that and just watch it change your life. Seriously. This concept of constraint has been so impactful for me. I've watched it impact others and help people become more decisive, more thoughtful, more focused, less perfectionist, less likely to get distracted or procrastinate and more able to access their creativity. It is seriously amazing what a little constraint can do. Thanks so much for listening. You're awesome. Have a great day.